Hello and welcome to the ALC Par African Radio's discussion program. The discussion program brings together experts to reflect on a variety of current security issues facing Africa at local, national and international levels. Hello, I'm, I'm Desmond Davis and welcome to the ALC discussion program. My guests today are Ibrahim Hathi from Senegal who works for an agricultural NGO. Lilian M. Tamale from Uganda, who works for Advocates Coalition for Democracy and Environment, and Rama Saladiang from Senegal, who is a doctoral research student at the School of Oriental African Studies in London and a Mo Ibrahim scholar. Uh, you are all here to attend this African Evidence Informed Policy Forum. Uh, Ibrahim, can you tell me what you made of it? Uh, thank you. Um, this was an interesting week uh, or interesting two days. Uh, we learned a lot. Uh, a lot of those things that we, we learned were not new, uh, but at least uh, there were um, some issues that were discussed that were uh, new. Um, one of those is the fact that we discuss the field of evidence-based uh, policy making. And uh, in this uh, concept of field, we were thinking about uh, uh, an anchor, uh, we were thinking about connecting, and we were thinking about signaling. And those were things that are new to me in, 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 in this field of evidence-based. Okay, Lillian Tamale, how was it for you, conference? Uh, um, it was very informative, uh, coming from a, a think tank in Uganda, and, and by the way, the Advocates Coalition for Development and Environment is also the best think tank in uh, Uganda you and among say, the you, leading you think tanks. You will say that, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked a lot of uh, new things. Um, I was invited uh, from Uganda, from the Advocates Coalition for Development and Environment, and uh, we are think tank best in in Uganda, but we have operations in East and Southern Africa through partnerships. Um, so even with our wealth of experience um, in implementing the local government scorecard, which I came to share with partners here over the last two days, I was able to learn a lot of new uh, strategies um, when it came to evidence. And um, I also realized that uh, at the end of it all, it is not enough to do research. It also matters how you engage with the, the different actors within government, but also with the donor community. So the conference gave me an opportunity, me and my organization, and I know we should be able to do uh, things better and differently when I go back to Uganda, to be able to even just make a quick assessment of which donor is interested in the kind of work that we do and how can we use them, um, how can we leverage their partnerships so that they can also be channels of our evidence that we use to influence policymakers. So I learned a lot. And Rama, since you were a student, how was the conference for you? The conference was very informative and insightful because when you are studying to be a researcher, 
uh, being in this envi environment where policymakers, researchers, and the specialists, those who are producing evidence, meet, it's uh, very informative as to what to do and what not to do to be a good researcher. And I think it's important to take at heart those issues that are of public interest. Uh, I think the role of the researcher is important here too. The researcher needs not to only follow research that is uh, funded or not all of us can be uh, independent consultants or whatever. You need also somehow to uh, conduct research that is of use, of interest to um, uh, whether it's your country or whether it is, I'm not promoting nationalist <laughs> research, but I think it's important to take um, such issues. So, for example, we talked about the issue of land grabbing. To debunk myths such as China is a great land grabbing, it's not true for Senegal, for example. China is not a great land grabber. And research has shown that there are a lot of domestic investors that are actually in the business of grabbing land. Yes, I mean... With agriculture being the, the, the backbone of African economies, how do you yourself sell your research uh, to the government for, 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 for them to really act? I, I, would no, I would not ask the question that way. It's mm -hmm. not about selling the research. It's about partnering with the government so that they find that what we are doing is useful and can be used. Uh, there's a lot of demand from the government in terms of... <clears throat> data in terms of uh, research results. However, sometimes the results that you have uh, are not what they expect. So you have also to deal with that. Sometimes in terms of policy engagement, they, 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 they are selling something to the public and the results might not be the things that they want to hear. So you have to deal with that also. Yeah, but if that's the reality, that's the reality. They have to accept it. I mean, you, you're not manufacturing evidence. If the evidence is there, they have to accept it. Yes, they, you, they have to accept it. But what we have learned uh, in, in the past few years is that in the government, government is not homogeneous. Yes, you, you see some will gain and some will lose in terms of uh, reform, in terms of decision making. So when you are uh, doing your research, you have to take into account those, those, those issues. Uh, it doesn't mean that there is no demand. But you have to take into account the fact that within the government, some may not find that your research is useful because it'll go, uh, it goes uh, against their belief or it goes against their interest. Yes. Okay, uh, Lillian, you did mention about donors, but it's always foreign money pushing uh, African think tanks and research uh, centers. Why can't African government themselves fully support these uh, institutions that will at least help them to formulate uh, sound policies? Um, you know, that is actually one of the issues that uh, was raised at this conference. And um, there were more questions than answers. But uh, what I can share with you here uh, that came out from the discussions was that um, when we talk about the issue of evidence and research, the honest truth is that... Um, that is a public good. Governments anywhere should actually survive on, you know, well-researched policies and processes. But many times, this is not the priority of governments uh, in most African countries. And therefore, 
we come in as brokers to say, so if government is not prioritizing, many African countries have budgets where uh, the biggest priorities are on, you know, uh, maybe the defense. It's always defense. It's exactly. always defense. Exactly. And maybe education and health will come in, those are good social services. But the investment in good quality research and processes of um, engaging um, uh, citizens, which are equally critical, but they are not funded. And so as 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 think tanks, as evidence producers, as uh, organizations, we then remember that we certainly actually come in to complement government. So we say, government is not paying attention to this. Let us focus on this so that we can give them this information. And, and it then also matters how we give it to them because it has to be uh, used in ways that will um, improve the quality of, of, of service delivery at the end of the day. But I also need to mention the fact that um, many times um, governments, most governments are not comfortable with the honest truth, especially when it, it is going to make citizens start to see holes in the way they do business. So that is going to be a disincentive for government to actually invest in a process that will tell how true uh, or untrue certain processes are. That's why you see that um, many times parallel researches can be done and, and two different findings are presented because one probably is done by an arm of government, the other by an in independent mind. And sometimes even we in the evidence-producing um, arena are looked at as, as opposition because we are actually saying the truth. So uh, what came out very clearly was the fact that we need to then create very good partnerships. It's like a complicated marriage. You, you really need to, co to, you know, to, to court this beautiful girl from this rich family, and probably you're from the poor family, but you need this union to happen. So how do you go around that? Now, those strategies are very critical, and the partnership came out as number one. But it is, is it also that African governments do not want to listen to local research centers, think tanks, well whereas they can listen to the World Bank or the IMF, and which more often than not get the policies wrong? Of course, um, which is why we are actually um, really working towards being at the center of this um, as African think tanks, as African researchers, so that at the end of the day, we're able um, to fill a gap. Because in the past, we realized that um, when, when uh, development partners came in, and uh, because they provide almost like in Uganda, I think 50, more than 51% of our budget is funded, you know, by donors. By donors, yes. So if you say anything wrong, you're actually in trouble. You know, they, these guys could just cut 50% of your budget and you have nothing to go on with. I mean, 50% is not sufficient. That is below when you're talking about service delivery. So m many times um, our governments have been forced to um, listen a lot more to the development uh, partners. But then we come in also to guide, because by the way, half of the think tanks that we are in this conference today have shared experiences of, uh, where they've said their evidence or research has actually also informed the development partners, not only government. Yes. So we are also able, and we engaged in frank and honest discussions, and we even told the donors, you need to be realistic. You need to let us be able to be Africans. You can come and support us. 
in any case, development partners uh, are really partners. So if you come to a country like Uganda and you misbehave and you're not doing business, I think even there are some economies who would not want that to happen to their to their image. So at the end of the day, the partnership between uh, civil society or think tanks, government and the donors is equally critical. You're listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. Stay tuned. Uh, welcome back. My guests today are Ibrahim Hathi from an agricultural NGO in Senegal, Lilian Tamale from the Advocates Coalition for Development and Environment in Uganda, and Rama Saladiang, who's a doctoral research student at SOAS in London and a Mo Ibrahim scholar. I mean, you've been listening to what the, uh, those who work, Rama, you've been listening to what those who work for the NGO sector are saying in terms of the, the problems. Do you yourself encounter that in, in, your, in your studies? Yes, um, the short experience I have, one, of, one illustration I can give is uh, when I was conducting research in Senegal for my MA thesis and when I was collecting data also for my PhD. So uh, the MA thesis was on the politics of policymaking and the shift from poverty reduction to emergence from 1995 to 2008, 2014 which was um, when I was conducting this uh, study. So the issue of access is critical because when you were saying that the government is not eager to listen to the local researchers but more the uh, financial partners, yes. access also, for access we have the same issue. I think if I wasn't a student from uh, an, an international university, I wouldn't have, you would not have had the access, opportunity, yes. the opportunity yes. to talk to them. So I interviewed policymakers, government, academia, and so on. And what I learned uh, was that there are a lot of things that were missing, like evaluation. Policies were conducted without proper evaluation being conducted at the end of the policy cycle. There is also the issue of uh, the, the multiplicity and duplication of government uh, department or bodies who are doing the same things. Um, there are a lot of issues, issues actually, and when I finished and produced the thesis, I shared with them. But I can say that some of the government officials didn't want to engage with my research, even though I know that it can inform them, because uh, it is political. It is showing that the emergence policy that we are having right now, how it is, how then how it was implemented. Oh. Two years after the president was elected, it was not yet implemented. Despite all the policies we have, all the policy discourses we had, we were still in the pre-implementation stage. So I think some of the um, uh, evidence that can come out can be very uncomfortable for those who are making uh, the policies. So I think that's when trying to be innovative is important in the ways in which you share your research, in the sense uh, that when the research is with the World Bank or with some of these institutions that I also interviewed, the government can no longer ignore it. Uh, yes, Lamin, do you also face the same problem of access in Senegal? Uh, yes, yesterday, um, during our, one of our sessions, we, we shared that. Uh, the fact that um, one of the lessons we learned from the past is that sometimes to get about that, you, you need to find intermediaries. Uh, we have found that uh, 
technical and financial partners, international partners, are those who are more who influence more the government. Yes. So you can also influence the government by going through them, uh, trying to uh, educate them uh, about your results. But you can also get about uh, by uh, talking to other stakeholders, uh, trying to uh, uh, build their capacity and give them the research results. Uh, access is always a problem, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not just about access. You have access, you have uh, result translation, you you have uh, uh, listening. Uh, th those who, most of them, they don't listen to, to, to what you want to uh, share because they have their own agenda. Uh, so you need from the beginning, and that's what we have learned also, is for some of them, you need from the beginning to partner with them uh, from the definition of the research questions. Uh, if you do that, maybe it will uh, uh, help you uh, when you, it's time to disseminate, uh, to, to get some um, uh, consciousness from them. But then African agriculture is facing huge problems because of subsidies by the EU, subsidies by the Americans and dumping by the Chinese. How do you tackle all of these things? Because it, these subsidies are destroying African agriculture. Yes, that's true. Um, you know, we live in an environment that is really complex. Uh, the, the question of power balance is yes. real. Yes. Uh, you, you have those who are advising us uh, like the World Bank, mm -hmm. the IMF, yes, yes. And, and all those who uh, are very powerful, but they don't take into account the power imbalance between mm -hmm. the, the, the donor countries and, and, and our Africa, countries. Yes. We have to deal with that. But the problems that we have are not only international problems. We have domestic problems also. We have policy issues that are domestic, and you, you have to tackle that. And I uh, should say that we are not just working on agriculture. We, we work on all the, the spectrum of uh, economic policy, okay. uh, yes. mm -hmm. including agriculture, mm -hmm. obviously, but other development policies. What about the land problem, too? It's always a major problem in Africa. That's, that's, that's a major problem. And that's an issue that uh, in, in Senegal, in, in uh, West Africa, is critical because, uh, you know, Africa... Uh, is the last region where you can find enough land for agriculture. And you have a lot of investors coming. And most of the time, our government do not take into account the interests of the smallholders. So, and most of the time, those investments, uh, they have not demonstrated that those investments are more profitable than what the, the, the smallholders are doing. They're, they're more interested in biofuels. Yeah, they, they are more interested in biofuels, yeah. but even those who are investing in uh, cereals, for instance, uh, if you look at the way they invest, it's not profitable uh, compared to what the smallholders are doing. I have examples of people, uh, investors where you even doubt where they get their money from. Uh, they invest, it's not profitable, but they continue to invest and they dispossess those smallholders yes. who are the source of employment, the source of revenue, those who uh, can provide uh, food uh, for, for uh, food security and so yes. on. Mm -hmm. So it's a real issue and people have to fight. Uh, researchers have to provide evidence on that, but 
also provide evidence to civil society to be able to fight against it. Yes, Lillian, you're also involved in environment, which is an increasingly interesting topic. Yes. How do you tackle it in, in, in uh, Uganda yourself? Um, because the, uh, the environmental debate, the climate change debate is very, very confusing. Sure. Um, in Uganda, I think um, I feel very proud to say that I will like to, at this point, share just the positive stories uh, because we have been able to invest in a number of meaningful partnerships where we are at a point now where government really listens to what we have to uh, offer as policy proposals. So speaking to the whole question of uh, environmental protection and natural resources, we actually have a whole um, department at Accord which focuses on land, forestry, um, issues of climate change and many of the natural resources around. And, and our work has really been about um, doing research that informs uh, government so that government can make informed uh, decisions. And we sit on the technical committees of a number of the government insti um, institutions, um, sorry, a number of uh, government bodies, the different mi ministries. And I'll proudly tell you that um, at least in the last one and a half two to two years, um, Accord has been very instrumental in advising government when it came to the laws around uh, oil and oil governance, because as you know, uh, we recently discovered oil yes. and uh, in Uganda, and uh, everyone is excited about that oil. But then the literature shows that if you don't prepare for what will come out of that oil, um, it can actually become more of a curse uh, than a blessing. Every environmental process Starting from Parliament, at implementation, we have been providing policy proposals, guiding government every step of the way. We have the National Forestry Authority where we sit on the technical committee. We have the National Environmental Management Authority where we sit on the committee. And we also work very closely with the Ministry of Environment. And all these three uh, bodies that focus on, on, on environment are always looking to us to give them policy proposals. Yes, yeah, because last year at the Tana Forum in Ethiopia, uh, President Museveni was there and he was condemning these international NGOs who were talking about environment, which he felt was against uh, Uganda's uh, interest. Yes. Um, so how, the, how do you deal with that? Um, at the end of the day, I think it's... Uh, back to the question that you raised, because sometimes when we come in with very um, objective findings, just because they do not speak to what the powers that be really want, many times uh, then the establishment or the presidency starts to think that we have been sent um, to speak on behalf of these de development partners, yes. which is really not the case because many times it's really about uh, saying we cannot invest in this if we do that and forget because there's also been a lot of focus, by the way, on oil in Uganda and we are saying this oil is a resource that will come to an end. We need to also focus on issues of agriculture. We need to pay attention to resources that have already been there. Otherwise, people were giving in their land, you know, People were forgetting what they were doing and everyone was running to oil, forgetting that in, there are many other countries who after 50 years 
there are communities were riddled with poverty because of the excitement that came with oil. So some of those uh, sentiments came out through some of our, the research that we kept doing. And of course, the powers that be in that case would be uncomfortable. Well, exactly. You're talking about evidence. The evidence is there. Countries like Nigeria yeah. shared oil and they're just messing up. Exactly. So I mean, so, I mean can't you then not learn from all of these things? The evidence is already there in the public mm -hmm. domain. Yeah. Do, do, do you need uh, researchers to tell the government that uh, you have to plan to make use of your oil wealth. I think what is surprising um, is the fact that even when things seem obvious, many times the policymakers don't pay attention to them. And that is where we need to come in because many times we are advising government on what we think is actually obvious. And uh, I always like to agree with uh, one of the scholars who said that politics is so important to be left to politicians alone because when people are in power, they forget to look at what matters. It's really about their survival. So we still cannot give up as uh, research organizations, as think tanks. We always need to be on the back of government, giving them the inconvenient truth. Rama, is that your experience as a doctoral research student about governments not even seeing the obvious? Um, that, I think, has been a lot theorized, conceptualized in the literature, like the policy attention uh, cycle. It has been theorized by uh, Irschman. It has, okay, it has been also discussed as a Downs issue. So it's uh, like when a problem occurs and policymaking thinks this is something we should tackle, uh, as the time goes by, they even forget what was the initial policy attention and it might not even be resolved but the policy itself continues and have a life of its own so policy can, might sound sometimes like business as usual when it, uh, even evidence does not do what it's supposed to so to come back to what we discussed earlier i think the question of land i just want to jump yes, into yes. that uh, it's very important when we talk about evidence i wrote a i published a paper to uh, one last year about uh, land grabbing and the politics of evidence this what this paper was discussing is that when this whole discussion about the land rush occurred there was also simultaneously what we called a literature rush so there there were a lot of publications whether it is by uh, ngos uh, gray literature uh, which forced the researchers to, to respond, research back and respond back. So I think uh, when we talk about the land issue, especially when it is uh, land, uh, large-scale land acquisitions that have been duped as land grabbing, it is important to look at outcomes to be able to assess whether the specific agricultural intervention or program did reach the, the objectives it said it would it would, and to do that, I think it's crucial to uh, shift the discussion from just looking at um, the donors, the investors' perspective, but looking at, uh, as Ibrahim was saying, those who are affected by the land deals, those who are living where the deal uh, hap happened, those who are uh, intentionally or not intentionally um, uh, affected by the issue. So looking at, for example, issues of labor and employment, has the deal uh, provided all the uh, labor it promised it would, or is it outsourcing to take um, uh, workers that are not from the, from the area yes. where the land is based? Are the population that living in the area benefiting as it should. So when we talk about the politics of evidence, it's about fighting about dirt, quick research to look at 
uh, it's a long process to look at uh, evidence building, to look at also, because there is a saying which is garbage in, garbage out. So when you uh, just uh, quicken the whole research process to just conduct maybe one focus group and then say that you've done research, this is not research. So researchers also need to, to do their job and to protect their niche. Yes, Ibrahim, she did mention something about uh, the literature rush, because I mean, you see literature about so many things in Africa come mainly from, Af from, from abroad. How do you cope with this, uh, this issue? There are, she's right, there are a lot of uh, caution that we should have when we talk about these type of issues. Yes. Um, and uh, methodology is something that we should take into account. Uh, you have civil society organizations who are prompt to push for the land grabbing. Uh, yes. I don't like the, 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 the name land grabbing, but uh, the reality is land is the uh, uh, primary good uh, that producers use for their livelihood. So whenever you intervene on that land, you might affect their livelihood. So we need to really look into that. And we have a lot of evidence that show uh, that sometimes you have land that is, affect, uh, that is allocated to investors that do not use it. Yes. Uh, it's taken from the owners, but they don't use it. You have land that is affected to domestic uh, people uh, who, who in, in the case of Senegal, it's marabouts, it's uh, religious leaders who, who are the real people who take the, the land, land out. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, not, it's very complex. Uh, and uh, in, in, uh, with IPAR, we have done some work on the voluntary guidelines. Mm -hmm to look into how with all the stakeholders, what, how we can do reform uh, in terms of land acquisition, in terms of protecting those landowners and so on. But it's a long process, it's not easy, there's a lot of politics uh, in it, uh, but it, that's the way to go. You have to uh, use the evidence that exists, uh, you have to take into account the interests of, of the stakeholder, but also you have to take into account the fact that the country also need to invest. Uh, so investment is also needed. Uh, so the land should also be used by investors uh, in cases where it can be beneficial to uh, the majority. So Lilian, on the whole, this conference was quite interesting yes. for you. Oh yes, it was. And uh, my takeaway from this conference has been the need to build the right partnerships um, also taking care to know which partners to go uh, looking for. Not every development partner is for you. Uh, so think tanks need to be very careful how they partner so that they can leverage from um, the spaces that these donors can actually create for them in future. Okay. Ibrahim Hathi, Lilian Tamale and Rama Saladiang, thank you very much. Thank you. Sir. Thank You're you. welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the discussion program on the ALC Pan-African Radio. For this and other programs, please visit our website at alcafricanradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Radio ALC and on Facebook at ALC Radio numeral number one. For feedback on this and other programs, please send an email to info 
at africanradio.com.